Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and a place where we delve into all sorts of improv topics. And today's guest is the wonderful Al Donahoe. And now I can't believe that I'm saying this is episode 60. Episode 60, you know, that's really cool. I know we took a little break last couple of weeks. I had a lot going on and needed a bit of time to refresh and recharge. But we're back with the bang today with a really great episode. And coming up in just a few weeks, April 29th, Boss Birds and Friends are delivering another awesome night of entertainment. And as part of that entertainment, regular job, a, a, a local improv group. I've been invited to perform as the guests that night and you're in for a real treat. Al is part of Regular Job and he's going to be filling you in on the sorts of things you can expect from Regular Job at that show. And if you're interested in going along to that show, not only is it a great night of entertainment to just go along and watch, but if you do love getting up and getting involved in improv, then you can get up at the end as well as part of the jam. You know, I've been to a couple of these shows myself now performed in one with the Oikers and enjoyed just going to the last one and watching uh, Boss Birds are like top draw like really really amazing level improv so it is just a great night of entertainment go to Liverpool Comedy Improv um, the Facebook page go to the website and you'll find links to get tickets uh, it's got to be happening you know once a month Boss Birds and Friends, it's definitely a great show and I'm excited to share this chat with you with Al and if you want to see it perform, then go get your tickets and get yourself along to the next Boss Birds and Friends show. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're even available on Amazon Podcasts, which means you can ask Alexa to play the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Al's true story about making stuff up. And please welcome to the show, Al Donahoe. Hi. <laughs> that had a nice ring to it, didn't it? Welcome to the show, Al Donahoe. Yeah, it's got a little, a little bit of rhyming, a little bit of rhyming. <laughs> uh, now, I'll just uh, tell everybody that Al is going to be performing with his team regular job on the 29th of April as part of Boss Birds and Friends. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity to speak to someone from the guest team that's coming to perform at the LCI show. So um, I'm excited to talk all things improv with you and find out your journey and find out who regular job are and what's in store. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to chat about it. I mean, the, the, the running joke with my friends is that I just chat about improv all the time anyway. <laughs> Whenever I'm on it and my friend, my friend Cal always goes, do you do improv? Like, it's like a joke because I talk about it so much. But yeah, happy to chat. <laughs> so regular job. Um, what can people expect from a regular job performance? Uh, good question. Um, chaos. No. Uh, <laughs> no, we, we, uh, we, the, the regular job is, um, so my, I, 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 I set up the team actually just before the pandemic and it wasn't called regular job at the time it had a different name and um it was really a result of i traveled out to the us and trained uh, with the ucb did an intensive out there and i i just i was really fascinated i have always been fascinated by that style of improvisation and i wanted a team here that reflected what i'd seen out there in terms of the commitment and the standard and the, the also the, the the practice which is which is game of the scene style improvisation and UCB are known to be quite um strict with their uh, with their with their style and you know the, 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 there's not a lot of looseness and some people don't that rubs up against people the wrong way sometimes like some people don't like um how how heavy how 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 heavy the rules are at UCB um but that to me i found was actually way more liberating than getting out there and just you know not quite knowing what was going on so i i really i really i really connect with that with that style of improv so it was just it was a team that was going to work from initially the ucb guidebook which is the the textbook that they have that you have to have if you take the course and it, it is a textbook it's like a uc it's like it's like 
those maths books that you used to get in school and you did your GCSEs, except it's for improv. Um, and it was going to work from exercises and just work through that. And we didn't have a coach or anything. And then the pandemic happened. Chaos happened. And then uh, we practiced online. The lineup of the team changed over the course of the of the pandemic. Big turning point was me meet, meeting Becky Webb, who does who's part of Boss Birds, yeah, as well as regular job. And Becky and I had a real, um, you know, we got along right away and had a, a real uh, shared interest in the UCB style. And from there, we the team just grew, and, and now we now we're coached by UCB coached remotely. Um, and it, it, you know, it's it's following not necessarily the model of the theatre, but the model of the teaching. Um, okay. which I think has had a, you know, it, it, it has, a, has, has an impressive track record. So the UCB style and the rules that you talk about, can you go into a bit of detail there? Like what does make it a bit different? What are these rules that make it stand out? Um, it's, it's not so much the rules that make it stand out. It's the way that they're drilled. I, I, and that's my personal take on it. You know, that's not yeah. gospel, but. I would say that um, UCB and a couple of other theatres now like it, uh, the Free Association to a certain extent, um, will, behind the school, WJS, you know, has a, not not quite as rigid as UCB, but they all have this kind of focus on if you hit these certain points, your scene will be more successful. So things like building a strong base reality, playing at the top of your intelligence, which is playing you know as smart at least as smart as you are um you know based on what you know of the world um and finding patterns or you know game which is the big thing that they push at UCB, the game of the scene that's kind of yeah. their thing it was kind of a, a originated in io but game of the scene was really a ucb term and it was you know their definition of it, I, I I might be butchering this, is a series of behavioural traits or circumstances that stand out against a believable base reality played at the top of your intelligence. Okay. Which is all those things that come together. And that's someone who doesn't know improv, or maybe a beginner might be like, oh my God, nope, not for me. But um, I, I found that like a light bulb went off and I, and I felt a lot safer in scenes when I when I when I learned that practice. And is this UCB style? Is it more centered around long form? Does it apply to short form as well? Um, they don't do short form at UCB. I started okay. with short form originally. <clears throat> the funny thing I say to people is, people that have done short form, I think would be good at game because short form teaches. Short form comes with like a fully loaded kind of um, game concept. Like the rules are explained to you before you go out. Like, you know, you have to do this thing and this thing and this thing. Yeah. And we know that funny comes out of that. Um, and the same rules apply. Like, don't need to try and try and be funny. Don't try and be funny. That doesn't quite work. So those sort of same rules apply. But the difference with the UCB is that you get a kind of rougher template, but you can apply that to long form. But it's like, you have a, a sort of process to follow um, the same way you do when you do short form and you have certain, you know, like shift left, you know that you have to like, when you shift left, you have to heighten or essentially do a time dash at some point. Um, and I mean, shift left is a short form game, but it's so rooted in what the UCB and, and the free association teach and, um, you know, will teachers. It, it's it, it's mind blowing. In fact, I would I've I've used shift left in long form um, classes to try and teach heightening because I think it's a great it's a short form game that applies the concepts based around uh, UCB style long form. Well, I remember at the last Boss Birds and Friends, um, just a couple <clears throat> of weeks back from the date we're recording now. Um, at the end, as always, they did their. Um, anyone can participate, put your name down in hat and come up and play a scene game. And Jen Hardy um, called me up to do the final game of the night. And then she introduced it as a game. She just decided on the spot she wanted to try. And it was questions only, but in a, like a full sort of long form style scene. And. Oh, wow. <laughs> she, she just sort of 
put me to the side quickly as the game was being introduced and she said, yeah, I've just thought of this idea. I thought it might be fun and I wanted to improvise with you. So let's just see what happens. And we, so it was taking that concept of a short form game and trying to turn it into a long form scene. So we were given a scene suggestion and things and it was, it was really fun. Firstly, just because I got to improvise with Jen and she's incredible. Um, but it was just a fun scene and it was great to take that short form game that I've played numerous times and then put a different spin on it and then it ties in with what you're saying that yeah a lot of these short form principles do really apply to long form i mean that you would then would say that the game of that scene was that it was a scene about two people that only asked each other questions (laughs) you know what i mean and that and the game can be as simple as that i think i think the principle the ucb principles can be quite heavy-handed you know, and even UCB teachers, uh, UCB teachers would say that, you know, um, that, you know, that the, the, the concentration on the rules can be a lot. Um, but the games can be quite simple. Once I'm, and you actually, when they give you examples or they tell you to go see shows when you're there, like when you get there to the theater, that they give you a pass and you can go see as many free shows as you like. The only shows you can't see are like the big, big headliners where it's like Ben Schwartz or like, yeah. you know, like the, the big, the big Hollywood names that still perform there. And um, yeah, the the shows you go see, they're kind of like they then go and break all the rules that you've been taught, and you come back mm-hmm. to the class and you're like, "That was a great show," but they, and they were like, "Yeah, well, they're kind of off roading now. They've learned how to drive the car manual. They've learned how to go around the traffic cones. They've learned how to do a you know an emergency stop <clears throat> in improv terms, and now they're doing some tricks. <laughs> and you know what I mean. And that, and I think that's their kind of mindset to things. But yeah. It can be as simple as you know people just asking questions in a scene, and that could be a that could be a game that's playable in a in a long form scene in, in in the way that they teach it at the UCB. It's funny there that you mentioned sort of these people that have sort of earned the right to go off script and and do things yeah. that you're taught not to. Because uh, if ever you watch classic Whose Lines It Anyway, some of the regulars, Paul Merton, Stephen Fry. Uh, a few episodes Jonathan Price did back in the day, they are constantly blocking. Like the one thing you're taught not yeah. to do, that's all they ever do. And it's like literally that's their that's their special power in improv is to actually block, but make it all right to block because they do it in a nice, funny way. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, as I, like I say, it's, it's off-roading, isn't it? It's like, it's sort of like, okay, yeah, you've learned all your basics. You know how to, you know what works. And you and and to a certain extent, the concept of game can be applied to all comedy, <clears throat> right? To Charlie Chaplin, to modern day sketch. It all arguably follows a pattern in some sort of game. And, and yeah, game sort of rules and other various um interpretations of those rules, because other theatres have different ways of putting more or less the same thing, right? Yeah. Um yeah, you can off road and you can you can you can bend the rules and I think that's actually where the fun probably comes from eventually. But I think there's an importance in learning the basics and knowing how to get through a successful long form scene. <clears throat> oh yeah, and also there has to be a certain level of trust because it, essentially if you you're going to throw people under a bus, you need to know that, that they're going to be able to deal with it. Like you wouldn't want to do that with a beginner and just just mm. for kicks. But if you're doing it with a friend that you've been doing it with for a long time and you know that they can handle this real curveball or vice versa, then I think, yeah. you know, that trust goes a long way. Yeah, I'd say, I, I, you know, I've not been teaching that long, but in the time that I've been teaching, that's the one thing that I find is the hardest thing to teach. That's one thing that you can't quite synthesize in a room. Um and you can get to a certain extent. I mean, I had a taught at level one recently and I got a wonderful group together. I teach it um, LMA in Liverpool, um, improv skills to university students. And um, every now and again, you get a, a class that's really tight and they, they, they've got like a really good rapport and the chemistry is good, you know, and you can't, you can't synthesize that, unfortunately. And that is something that you do need, uh, I think, to have a successful team. But that being said, Will talks about in his uh, Will Hines talks about in his book, and and um, you know, a couple of other imp- improvisers I've mentioned on podcasts and things. There were teams in the past at the UCB in New York 
uh, Hell's Kitchen where those guys were like at each other's necks and they were like, you know, <laughs> they were like proper fighting with each other. And and uh, so I guess maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. Because <laughs> apparently they still had really good teams. Yeah. And you mentioned there that you've just recently got more into teaching of it. I myself am in a similar position because I've recently started um, teaching a lot more myself. And when it comes to explaining these techniques, do you are you the sort of person that sort of sits back and explains it all, or do you like to get stuck in and sort of show these things through doing it? Uh, I'd say fifty-fifty. I think I'm fifty-fifty on that. I think I. I love to talk about it, as you can tell. Uh, <laughs> I love to just chat about the logistics of it and the history of it and, you know, uh, talk about Viola and Dell and go through all that kind of stuff and then the Second City stuff and then how IO came about. I love talking about all that and then talking about, like, the the, the real kind of the nerdy parts of it and how you how – you know, like you always get one student who's like, well, what if you do say no? And like, yeah, you can say no sometimes and no can be a yes sometimes. Like, you know, and, and talk about how that kind of works. And yeah, I can get into it. I also, um, I, I, I'm, maybe this is a bad trait as a teacher, but I'm also happy to not know the answer sometimes. And I think, yeah. I think that's a good thing to have. Um, but there's been a few times when students have done a scene and I've been like, you know what? I think you broke every rule in the book, but it kind of worked. Um, and I think that's still a learning moment for a student because they can go, okay, well, that takes away the the pressure a little bit of the, the rules and things that you that I'm I'm I will you know I do drill, but um, but it's good to remember that it is just a you know it it is just a, an improvised scene and it once it's done it's done, and every every time you work every time you do one you're working towards improvement. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm definitely, a, a, I'm slap bang in the middle, I think. Um, I try and give my students a lot of stage time. At LMA, I get them for like an hour, fifth, uh, fifth, I, get them to, I get them for two and a half hours a week. Yeah. Um, which is a decent amount of time, really, considering they're doing an acting degree. Yeah. Um, so I, I spend that with them. I think to a lot of them on the on the degree course, it's not like the high priority for them. They're there to be, you know, proper sensible actors. Yeah. But I think a few of them are coming around to it now and they're starting to see that, oh, I get a lot of stage time and I get to get up and play characters that I might not necessarily get cast as in Romeo and Juliet. You know, I can play whoever I want here, really, and I can I can explore, you know, pretty much whatever I want in scenes here. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 really rewarding as the teaching. I imagine you find it the same. Like, it's it's super rewarding. Yeah, I love the teaching. No, I am a teacher. I'm a primary school teacher in, in my day job. So, um, you know, I do love to teach. And what I, I got fortunate with the teaching of the improv in that I'm running it with my girlfriend, Seki. So we're doing mm -hmm. things together and we approach things differently. I just love to do things. Uh, I love to, I'm very good at talking about things, but basing it on my own personal experiences and how that, that fits into this and how that fits into that. Whereas Seki is super studious and, She'll tell you like where that came from, who who wrote that in a book somewhere. So, so the two of us combined is very, <laughs> it works very well. Uh, because for me, yeah. I I hear you talking about UCB and I hear people talking about all these American schools and things like that. And really, LCI is is my school. That's where I got my training. And Emma was always really good at stating, "Oh, this came from so and so. This came from so and so." But that's not what sunk into my brain. Just the game sunk into my brain and the rules of the game and the fun. Uh but it doesn't really go in like who said it. So it's very good to have Seki there to actually say, Oh well, yeah, this comes from so and so. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice. And that's that's like a dream team, right? That's like you're complimenting each other with each other's styles and 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 thought process. Yeah. I think that's really good. And you know Be Becky who I collaborate with as well, like she's the same. Like she's she is a lot more organizational on our team than I am. We were talking about it the other day, actually. Like, I initially set up the atom by myself, and then Becky kind of was just always there. And it's become, I don't mean that in a negative way, I mean that in a very positive way. Like, Becky's just sort of become a part of it now by association. Yeah. And, and um, she's, she's so 
vital to what we do. Like, so she's just just as much a part of it as I, as I am now. Um, she's, you know, she's she, the last show actually. I was I'm going through a rough time and I had a ton of issues. Uh, minor car accident on the way to the theater. Issues oh, wow. with the PA, and Becky just took the show and just like Becky was just like like in charge. Um, so yeah, it's nice to have nice to have people that you can collaborate with and and um and trust i think you know and so with you and and, and seki i think that's that's lovely and with becky there's something that seki and i say all the time uh, that we learn from becky and it's it's you are uh literally just as i'm about to say it, it's gone out of my head <laughs> you are infinitely more interesting than you could ever imagine and that is something that we pass on. You know, we pass it on to children because we run a theatre school on Saturdays. We pass it on to the children there. We pass it on to the adults that we teach improv to. And it's just something that we say a lot in life as well because people are always so down on themselves. And I think one of the things that we love about improv is that it actually teaches you to celebrate all the good things about you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it absolutely does, and it and it brings out a lot of things like dawn in you, and and like you know, there might be a wild side of you. I mean, I've watched really introverted people get up and completely blow me away. I have a student at <clears throat> LMA where I teach, who I won't name them, but they were quite, to the best of my knowledge, they were quite a quiet sort of student, um, and. They have become probably the strongest improviser in the whole university. Like they are so, um, so quick witted and like they, the audience, the group start laughing when they come out on stage because they're like, Oh, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? What's, what's, what's going to happen here? Like they're anticipating the, the, you know, how, how, how good the scene's going to be because of this person. So, and that's lovely to see, isn't it? That's nice and nice to see. And that, yeah, you know, that, that proves that point, doesn't it? You know, like you might be the quiet person in the room, but that doesn't quite, you could also be the best actor in the world. That doesn't quite necessarily cut it when it comes to improvisation. It's a, it is a different skill. Yeah, it is. I had an episode of this show a little while back where I had an actor friend of mine come on. That whole podcast chat was about him as an actor, not particularly enjoying improv and he teaches uh seki's make-believe school and just yesterday we were having a chat about improv and things and he was talking about script and he was saying to me aren't you excited about getting a script and looking at the characters and imagining how you can bring that character to life off the page and i just said no not really i see a script i think ah that's a lot of lines to learn that's a lot for my brain to take in Uh, i'd rather just turn up and just make it up as i go along yeah, I get that. And I, I can, I like both. I think both have the, the pros and the cons. Like, <clears throat> I'm dyslexic, so lines always scare me. You know, lines always freak me out. But I think they feed into each other as well. I think if you could do, like, good scripted work and build a character through a script and have that concentration and 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 know where to, like, place lines and, and, and notice, like, delivery and, and, and that kind of thing and work with a director that feeds into your ability as an improviser because you pick up on things that, you know, you instinctively know work well on stage or on screen. That would also apply to an improvised scene. And vice versa, the spontaneity that comes out of improvisation, the the kind of the naturalistic thing that comes from improvisation, um, comic timing that, you know, even if you're doing a dramatic piece, tends to come from improvisation to some extent. So. Yeah, they they absolutely they they support each other, and I'm glad that that you know that LMA teaches improvisation and and gives me the the room to teach it with some of these skills because I think it you know it really I think makes it's made me a better actor. I got back into acting in around 2017. I'd acted when I was just a child actor, and I got back into acting then, and and it's honestly it's transformed my life. Like it's been the best thing I've ever done. Uh, my life has been better because, and I would suit I would. I would bring that right back to taking uh, classes over at Liverpool Comedy Improv, you know, back in the day, myself and 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 
that set me on a path that led to me getting parts and plays, getting an agent, getting cast in you know, voice work and commercials and things. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the, the two of them absolutely um, they cross over. So I don't I don't think I love one. I think I'm more passionate about improvisation just because I think there's a I just don't think it's ever fully taken off over here or at least regionally outside of London. Yeah. Um, so I'm passionate about improv and about people like learning about it. But in terms of like the enjoyment of acting and improvisation, they're both like neck and neck for me. I love them both. Awesome. Now with the improv and the, the LMA stuff, you mentioned there that you had someone that started off very quiet and now they've sort of risen to the top and there's expectations on that that person when they perform. Yeah. Do you, Have you ever reached the point where people have noticed a particular thing in you? Oh, he's particularly good at doing this. And then have you felt that pressure? Oh, like people have complimented me on that lots of times. And then when it starts, it's like, oh, no, I hope I'm going to be able to give them that because that's what they expect. Yeah, absolutely. All the time. Like, I, all the time. And, you know, we recently did a show with with Will Hines and Sarah, Sarah Classball, Michelle Gilliam, Jason Perez from from The Git. Um, you know, all of which have been some in some capacity or some some way over the past sort of uh, two years have been teachers of mine. And now I'm sharing a stage with them. And I had a, I mean, the show in, in, in question, I'd actually had, I think I told you, a particularly awful day. Um, so I was really in a, not in the headspace to do the show. <laughs> and then you add the nerves and expectation that do I deserve to be up here with these people? All of which he complimented me and said, oh, you're very good and talented and said nice things. And I built a bit of a name for myself, at least online um, during during the pandemic, doing the improvisation there. So then to be on a stage with them, nerve wracking, crippling, almost like I completely almost was the anxiety almost stopped me from being able to do what I do best. But um, yeah, I, I do. Sometimes I really get in my head. I would get in my head. I remember my level four class show, I really got in my head because I knew there were people now that were watching that knew me <laughs> in some way. And like, um, like my friends, then, then everybody's at a, also everybody's at a kind of a, a you know, a, a similar standard. Like when you first start out, especially in a town like Liverpool where, you know, improv is still, even with what Emma's doing at LCI, you know, it's still relatively in its infancy. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had things like impropriety in the past, and you know, myself, we were on a team called Some People for a while, and uh, there was the Unscriptables, there was uh, Proper Made Up, and now we've got the Atom, and then there's what David doing over in Chester. So it, it is there, but it's still relatively new. It's not like you can't go to people and say, "Hey, there's a ton of improv shows in Liverpool, and they know what they are." So when I first started, I'd come from a performance background. And there was me and a, and a few others in the class that, w without coming across as arrogant or cocky, felt quite confident with it and felt like, and I've actually never been that person. Like I couldn't kick a ball. I was, I had two, two left feet. I was terrible at dancing. I, I confidence was never my thing. And also with being dyslexia academically, I was never top of the class in anything, uh, with the exception of drama. Um, so when I came to do improv and I, yeah, there was, there was sort of, um, a standard and to start with I, I didn't affect me to start with i had this like it fed into just confidence and maybe probably did feed into cockiness a little bit but as time went on and i learned the other techniques through these other schools and things and went to train in london and, and, and la and then eventually online as well i found oh actually there's a ton of exceptionally talented improvisers out there and um, it's not about you <laughs> at all. It's about, you know, it's all about how, how you collaborate with people. And, and now I beat myself up, not because I didn't get a laugh, but because maybe I didn't yes somebody well enough or I didn't, I didn't commit fully to their idea or I made a move that in some way didn't play at the top of my intelligence. 
and it's not wasn't in, in a way that supported the game that was being put out there. So, yeah, absolutely. I still get anxiety about it. Now. I get anxiety when I teach. You know, and I, I've done shows and I've looked out in the audience and I've seen a couple of my students in the audience. And I've been like, oh, crap, don't, <laughs> don't mess this up. Don't mess this up, Al. And I think it ebbs and flows. So as a performer and as a teacher, I know for me, it definitely the, the frame of mind that I'm in on any particular day can completely change how I'm feeling about the process going into it. Some days I'll go in to one of the, the sessions at Flinch of Funny Bone where Seki and I, we put loads of effort into putting it all together and I'm super excited about it. And then I get there and then I'm like, oh, for some reason, I'm a bit hesitant today. Whereas other mm. days I could have put less prep in and turn up and just really be in the mood to teach it that day. So it's, it's very hard to keep a constant level. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think especially with improvisation, there's a there's kind of like an emotional thing that's tied to it, I think, as well. And I, th- I mean, I don't know. I'm making sense here, <laughs> but I think, I think what you've just said there. I don't know whether I can um, articulate this, but I think there is a thing where it's like you have to, you're using parts of yourself that that are muscles that aren't normally used in everyday life. Yeah. Um, and you know, being a teacher as well is you know has a certain degree of performance to it. Oh yeah, and totally. Facilitate an environment that makes people feel very at ease and able to get up, um, whilst also teaching rules is it's it's a challenge. That that's a hard thing to do. And yeah, if you're having an off day, it can it can knock a whole class. You know, it can it can it can have a knock on effect. Um, it's learning techniques to keep that kind of have like an autopilot that still kind of hits the points you need to hit if. If you're maybe emotionally or or mentally not there on on that day, yeah. Uh, so I do every other week. I do the online glossop improv sessions, and I have noticed that my improv on a Friday evening is some of my weirdest improv because it's at the end of my week. I'm always tired, and I'm always sometimes I'll turn up, I'll turn my camera on for that, and I'm like, oh, I'm really not in the mood for this. But then I really enjoy it because. By the end of the week, you've completely lost all thoughts of any filter and you're just really silly <laughs> and you're just getting more and more tired as the night goes on and you get sillier and sillier. And for me, sometimes I think that's actually some of my best stuff comes out when I'm yeah. not overthinking it and I'm just tired and silly. How do you find the online side of it? Because I, 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 mi- I have mixed feelings on it. On one hand, it was... In terms of accessibility for me to get and take class, like I got to complete UCB, which is something I never thought I'd get to do. Not only that, I got to take um, advanced classes. I got to take, uh, you know, uh, what do they call them? I can't remember what they call them. Electives. Electives, oh, yeah. they call them, with the American terminology. I got to take classes, obviously, at Will School, and I get coached. I got coached every Saturday night. In the middle of the night, I got coached with a team I'm on with friends I met at UCB called Long Distance Relationship, LDR. Um, and I, I love that side of it. But now that I can go back outside again, mm-hmm. I've kind of been very um, fickle with it. And I, I'm kind of disappointed in myself because I don't participate with the online aspect as much as I did. But I think it's because I did so much online during the pandemic. Yeah. But maybe there's a little bit of online burnout. <laughs> I'm like, I need a break. <laughs> How are you finding it now post-pandemic? I love it still. And mm. during the pandemic, like I was at LCI sessions three, four, five times a week. I was just fully in it. I'd only got into improv just before the pandemic, sort of maybe a month and a half, two months. So most of my improv experience came from online sessions. And because of the way it was, I had like probably sort of 10 years worth of experience crammed into a short space of time because there's people that I speak to that may have been doing improv for 10 years, but they're doing it every now and again or whatever. Whereas for me, I was basically doing improv every day of the week for like two years. Yeah. And I, you know what? That's not, that, that, that's not a thing I hear really at all, which is, you know, it, kind of why I think it's never quite taken off is that, you know, in these places, 
these hubs in the US where you've got UCB, Second City, IO, the pit, you know, um, the groundlings. The way it works there is you take you take a course, you take a level, and then you upgrade on those levels. And you know, it, is, it looks it looks a little pyramid schemey, but you know, the way <laughs> it works that you then go and take these kind of um, you know the electives and the advanced study. In fact, UCB there was like a an advanced study. You could go and take like a an academy thing there and go and like yeah. just be a student there full time at doing doing UCB. On top of that, you'd also get onto things called the, the house teams, which were like these teams that they would put on and like Tuesday, Thursday, I think I might be wrong, any UCB listeners. Tuesday, Thursday, they would have Harold night and it would be um a bunch of teams, Harold after Harold after Harold after Harold after Harold. Um and they would and then they would also be on like practice groups, they would also be on like little indie teams and what they called mess hall, um, or Maud night, which was like, you know, the 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 kind of like mid tier before they get onto like the main stage of an, on a good slot in the evening. So these guys would be clocking in, you know, in some cases at, at least like 10 hours a week of improvisation, maybe more. And I think to get really, really good at it, you kind of need that. And I think that's one positive that the pandemic brought is that you could get online. Like one of our teachers, we, we, we took a class with Billy Merritt, a group of my friends. Uh, we took a few classes with him actually online because he was a teacher that i wanted i saw him with the smokes when i was in la and they were just oh my god it was him will jim woods you know casey and they were just incredible they were i'd never seen improvisation like it in my life and they were a sold out show which is a rarity as well now i mean it's not so much we've, we've sold out some shows here now but like back when i first started out that wasn't you know it was a struggle to sell out but yeah you know so I wanted to take classes with, with some of those guys. And I, I took a class with Will and Will, you know, the UCB works towards the um works towards the, the Harold form. And it wasn't Will, so it was Bill Bill Merritt. Billy Merritt said, um, if you want to do get ready to go to the Harold, do a hundred Harolds. So we set up a group where we would jam and do Harolds every week. Um I don't think we got to a hundred, <laughs> but we did a, <laughs> we did a fair few. Um I think I've probably done about 50 Harold now and a few of them now are in person. Thank God. Cause a lot of them weren't in person, but, um, you know, that mindset, you know, a hundred Harolds, if you get any good at a Harold, that's, I get that. That makes sense to me. Like, cause it's such a hard technique and form. Yeah. Um, but that, I guess that applies to anything, right? Same with like playing guitar. You want to rack the, you know, you want to throw the hours in to, to get good at it. So, yeah, I'm not, I mean, fair enough, the hobbyists, absolutely fine, you know, to drop in every now and again to improv and just get up and have fun and just do it as a hobby thing. But if you want to get on a stage and get to like a high performance level, I think it's it's about putting the hours in and it's about committing to it and going, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. And I noticed certainly the buzz from a live show, you don't get that from online because uh, the Oikers were invited to perform at Boss Birds and Friends back in January. And for us, like we had done a lot of online shows with LCI and they were awesome and we still got a buzz from them. But to just be up on a stage with the audience physically there, that was that was something that really made me realize, oh yeah, I need in person just as much as I need the online yeah. stuff. And you smashed it. I was in that. I saw that show. I saw that show. I saw you guys and you guys absolutely smashed it. You were really funny. And nice. I hadn't seen short form in a long time. There's a, there's a bit of a snobbery towards short form with some of the UCB people. Um, but as I say, I, I, uh, I loved it. I loved it. In fact, before I went to UCB, I was at the point of going, I might just go back to doing short form because it's so, <laughs> it's so satisfying, you know, like, um, yeah, but I I I I love them both. I look. I think I probably I put my name in the hat for the show for jam at the end of that show, and I was like, oh God, I've not done this in over two years. <laughs> well, yeah, you you did the three headed expert. I remember. Yeah, I was. I I can't swear, can I? I was no. a nervous wreck. <laughs> <laughs> I was a nervous wreck, which is dumb, isn't it? But yeah, I was really nervous about doing short form again. But it's mad because that was like. You know, most of my stage time as an improviser, 
from around 2017, 2018 was just short form shows with the Unscriptables. And Dave, uh, D- David's brother, uh, David, David's brother, Dave's sister, Kate, was on our team as well, who you improvise with now with the Unkers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. so his sister, Kate, was a member of the Unscriptables. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. So the online thing, just going back to that briefly, like online improv changed my life because the Oikers are some of my best friends now. I spend a lot of time with them online because we are dotted around. So it's hard for us to get together. We do try and get together in person. Uh, sort of, I think we've agreed maybe once every two months to have an in-person session or try and get a show or something. But every other week we get together on a Wednesday night, we take it in turns to run the sessions and, you know, it's such such an important part of my life. Glossop Improv, uh, I'm a big part of Glossop Improv as well, and that is online every other week. So at the moment, I do Flincher Funny Bone in person every other Monday. I do Oikas online every other Wednesday and um, Glossop Improv online every other Friday. And then I also do like a long form thing with a group of friends on a Wednesday on the other Wednesday. So I'm getting a good mix of in-person and online. Plus online at LCI, I met Seki. I met my girlfriend Seki through uh, online improv. So online's always got a place in my heart. Oh, that's that's genuinely lovely. That's amazing. Yeah, that's nice. And I think I, I I mean I agree with you. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's got a place permanently now. Um I was talking to one of my my original coach with long distance relationship, uh, Monica, who she was like, Yeah, UCB's coming back, but I think they're gonna keep online classes. I think the online online classes are gonna stay because there are people right across the world and they're always selling out. They never they never so there's definitely something in that, the online thing. And, you know, I, I think I think it will stay and stick around. And, you know, I probably will go back to it as well. Like, there are certain classes that I know I can't take here. Plus, I've got a $100 voucher for UCB that I've not even right. used yet. I need to use that. I did a, I did a show with one of my, my, my level two coach, Sarah Baspel, wanted us to do a, a kind of, demo for SAG-AFTRA, which is like the Actors Union, the Screen Actors Guild in America. Yeah. And um, they wanted to show UCB and how they how it helps actors. So we all went on to Zoom during the pandemic and did like a, a demo class. And there was like thousands of people, members of SAG, watching this thing. And like, <sighs> wow. we're all like, do you reckon Leo's watching? Do you reckon DiCaprio's watching? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, so yeah, it, it, there's definitely a place for it. They're talking about it in circles as big as that. There's a place for it, you know. Yeah. And in terms of actually getting into improv, what was it that led you to sort of seeking it out? Like, where did you discover it? Well, I I was a child actor. Um, I got an agent very young, and and I got work very young as well, and you know shows and, and I got a TV show when I was about 13 and I loved acting. I was um, not strong academically. I'm very, you know, I'm dyslexic and dyspraxic. And, um, but I always had like a big, wild um, imagination and, and big personality, I'd say, was always being stupid and in a world of my own. Um, so acting right away appealed to me. And a lot of, I mean, you see you work with young kids now and I, I, mean, I don't know if if you do this with them, but a lot of like kind of improvisational stuff is a part of what you do when you're learning to act as a kid, you know what I mean? Because it's so simple, like you maybe can't always give a, a a child a script, but you can give them a space where they can kind of devise a piece and, and maybe run it a few times and come back. So that's kind of my 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 beginning origins with it. And I, I you know, I did that till I was about 17, 18, actually. You know, uh, yeah. I was part of a drama group and, and an agency and did that. I've always been a comedy nerd. I worked in a cinema in my teens and, and I remember like it was around like 2007, 2008. And it was the year where like Judd Apatow <clears throat> ruled the world and like knocked up <laughs> super bad, um, Tropic Thunder, Pineapple Express, the Anchorman movies. All those films came out around the same time. And 
comedy was like I, I just became a huge comedy nerd. I'd listened to podcasts as well. The Nerdist podcast at the time was a big deal to me. Um, comedy Bang Bang, all these kind of podcasts that were linked to, you know, uh, the those popular comedians at the time. And the one thing they all kept talking about was improvisation and, and UCB and Second City. Like those names kept coming up, and also like classic seventies comedy from the SNL. You know, those names kept coming up as well. Like you know, UCB Second City, the Groundlings. So it was in my kind of. It was in my vernacular, like I kind of knew what these things were, but didn't quite know what they were. And I remember saying when I was, you know, in my very early 20s, like, God, I wish I just had the money to just go and do Second City, all of Second City, and get on SNL because it's naive. <laughs> I just go do it. Hardest thing in the world to get on. I was like, I'll just rock up, English actor, get on the most popular television show in American history. And, um, but I, I, I was aware of it then. My life took me a different direction. I started working behind the scenes. I worked in film and, 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 um, you know, worked as a, a director, my own feature, worked behind the wow. scenes, um, second AD. And I was even flooring on a couple of like major television shows. And the last one I worked on was Peaky Blinders. And I didn't like it, fell out of love with it and stepped away from it completely. And then found myself doing every job I could find from delivering pizzas to uh, making pizzas, sorry, and then to, to working as a postman. I did everything. And it was around 2017 that I had a little bit of a crisis of confidence. I was like, I need to go back to doing something creative. And I saw a job advertisement for um, an improv group to, to go do shows. And I was like, oh, wow, I could do that. And I messaged with Emma and I messaged and I said, um, I'd love to audition for this. And I said, I've not acted for many years and I'm not an improviser. And she was like, well, you're probably not qualified for the group. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, okay. But she was like, this class has come to a class. So I come took a couple of classes. I think it was after class two or three. She said, okay, I want to start a team. Would you fancy joining this team? Um, and we set up the scriptables. And then from there, I've been on multiple teams. That team ended and we I set up another team with some people. I joined a team called Proper Made Up, which was the improvised plays, like long form. Um, but that desire to do UCB was always there. And around that time as well, when I got into improv, I discovered a, a YouTube channel called um, NY Comedy, which had all of the Harold Nights and the Ask Cat shows and all of these things that, you know, are now what I do um, and I was like god that is so different to everything else I've seen uh, so I was fascinated by that then so yeah that's what got me into it it was kind of like being lost in the creative wilderness for a few years but um, I what really inspired me to go and do this is is as, as I say just kind of all of the people that I admired in television like I couldn't watch an episode of The Office without someone being connected to UCB and then I ended up going to LA and my, my third night there, I went to see the, the Ascat show with the uh, uh, UCB Sunset. And the improv team includes Zach Woods, who plays Gabe on the show. Like he's in the cast. And I was like, wow, these guys go and work on massive NBC TV shows. And other night, they do the weird thing that I do. <laughs> like they go and do. And that was like, when I saw that show, that and the smoke show. Oh, there was another show I saw with Alex Berg. I forget his team's name. No, hang on, let me Google this. Let me just find Alex Berg. <laughs> Alex Berg Improv. Convoy. Convoy. Remember, as soon as I put it in. Uh, I saw Convoy, I saw The Smokes, and I saw Ascat. And those three shows, I was like, okay, this is going to be a part of something I do forever now. Like, it already was a big deal to me. I really cared about improvisation. But when I saw those three shows, it was it it just went nuclear in my brain and i was like this is this could also take off globally and i don't quite get why it hadn't and then obviously the pandemic happened shortly after that and it kind of has now if people want to seek it out they can get it they can get it online um but yeah there's, there's the that's how i got into it that's the very long story <laughs> even more specified things of how i got into the style i'm into um yeah you mentioned you were in a show when you were about 13. Would I know the yeah. show? Yeah, uh, maybe. It was a BBC pro. It was, it was called uh, In Deep. 
and I played the son of Stephen Tomkinson. It was a BBC drama. Oh wow! And I, yeah, it was it was great. It was a great experience, and um, it wasn't it wasn't a massive. You know, I was the 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 lead's possible illegitimate son, <laughs> so I was like a B plot to the main story. Um, and I have an altercation with him at the front door when he tries to get in to see me wife to see me wife to see me mum. He thinks he thinks he thinks my mum. He thinks I'm his son. And he comes in and he starts like getting aggressive and I push him out the door and yeah, it was mad. It was really mad. Um but I've I've always had a thirst for acting and I you know my dream was always to work as an actor. I do theatre now and commercials. Um weirdly enough, so when I said I was going to LA, I said some back in with my parents and I and I said I was going to LA, they were like, Oh god, you can <laughs> you're back in living with us and you're going to go spend all this money to go to America. <laughs> it's intense. And I was like, yeah, I think it would be really good for me. And luckily they were, they were, they were apprehensive, but they were nice about it. Um, and it was, it was a life changing thing for many reasons. Met friends for life there who recently came back to surprise me in Liverpool. But um, beyond that, you know, it was just a huge, a huge massive experience to go and, 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 and spend some time there not just on a holiday, but like kind of experiencing the theatre and things and, and training there. But when I came back, I got an audition for a commercial. Um, it was for the, it's the current pot noodle campaign. And the commercial was, um, we want a bald actor to do this part. And I'm not bald. Um, one of the few things I've got going for me is that I, I still have, I'm in my mid thirties and I've kept me hair, but I, um, so I so I'm not going to get this. And I got a call back for it. And I had to go back to London. I was like, God, what? why are they wasting their time with me? They have to cut all my hair off if they want to do this. <laughs> and I met the director. I remember that when I walked into the callback, the director went, oh, Al, Mr. UCB. <laughs> You're who I want to see. You're who I want to see. Now, my <laughs> own kind of self-deprecating thought process when my agents called out as well and I thought oh he was talking about my agent <laughs> so dumb, given that I've just walked in the room but I was like it must be it can't mean me um obviously I got the roles so and must have meant me um but yeah he, I got got the part and I got chatting to this to this director Martin Granger his name was and Martin was like uh oh the second I saw UCB and I saw your audition he said I, I knew that there was Right away, I knew that there was an, an improv brain here, and that's exactly what I wanted for the commercial, because there was a lot of improv involved in it. Okay. And he said, he said I was on the team, uh, uh, I used to train with IO and Second City. And I went, really? And he said, yeah, yeah. You know Mike Myers? And I was like, yes. He's like, yeah, I was on the team with Mike for years. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> When you said you know Mike Myers, I was like, I thought you went, do I know him as in like <laughs> from Austin Powers? I don't know him, know him like you do. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he, um, Martin had an improv background and was just unhappy to geek out about it and had seen some of the teams that I'd seen in LA that moved from UCB New York to, and he kept saying like, go to UCB New York next, go to UCB New York. Obviously that, that's gone now. It's the Squirrel Theater now, actually. It's completely changed, but, um, so it was great. We had a great rapport. And I, I do cite going and I also booked another commercial literally days after I landed from LA where they were like, we don't have a script. Just come in and do something. And I riffed for five minutes and they laughed and let me go. And I, I didn't get the part for that. And I was like, damn. And then two days later, they went, we've got a bigger part for you. And I got a bigger part from doing that. The commercial never aired. So I didn't even get my buyout for it, but <laughs> I got my day rate, which was great. But, um, <clears throat> you know it's 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 radically radically changed my life and um yeah it's 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 set me up for doing lots of exciting and cool things and i did see an advert that you were in fairly recently uh linked to wrexham oh you're flinching oh yeah of course yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so that was i mean that was a, a tiny a tiny part in that but yeah uh, that was um uh, always sunny in Philadelphia crossover with uh, Welcome to Rex and the documentary <laughs> about um, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds buying, buying the club. And I met, I mean, I barely met Ryan Reynolds. Like he was in the same room as me and went, hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I spent an hour or two with uh, 
well, maybe more than that with Rob McElhenney. He, you know, he came in for a little bit and chatted to us a little bit and um, took a photograph of us all the books. So the idea of the commercial is that we were like the Welsh, I'm not even Welsh, but the Welsh doppelgangers <laughs> of um, the Always Sunny Gang. <clears throat> and he took a photograph of us all. He went, this is crazy, this is crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and then he texted to his Always Sunny WhatsApp group. Cool. And um, he went, guys, check this out. And he came over with the WhatsApp group. And we were watching <laughs> him reply to that image in real time. And Charlie Day, who I was playing in it, said, uh, he went, this is great, but which one's Danny? There was a guy who really looked like Danny DeVito. And obviously, no swears on this podcast, but he um, <laughs> he replied with some explicit, uh, expletives. How do you say expletives? Expletives? Expletives. 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 Um, but that was like quite cool to see that. But again, that involved me doing improvisation at the end of the commercial. They shoot them, they shot the main thing and they shot a few different versions, a few different takes. Actually, there was a lot more shot than what's there. But at the end of it, they had the behind the scenes crew come in. And I don't know where this footage is going and if it'll ever see the light of day. But they got us to say lines with a Welsh accent from the show. <laughs> And they were like getting us to just, they would just say this, say this, say this, say this, say this, say this. And that ties into your improvisational skills as well, because the ones that, there was a, there was a guy in the commercial who was a model who was like, oh God, this is nightmare fuel to me. <laughs> the guy playing Danny was this, um, you know, short Irish guy who'd never acted in his life. He'd just been told he looked like Danny DeVito. <laughs> so he was like, I don't know. I don't want to do this. And I can't say what he said, but it was swearing. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> me and the actors who had done a bit of improv in the past were good with it and we, we you know and that it's a skill that's just so transferable awesome well that's a great story to finish on i think um awesome. so just before we do finish do you want to tell people where they can connect with you if they want to find you online yeah well I, the main way to do it now is that you know i run the atom improv with becky um that's kind of a we're still figuring out what that is, but it's <laughs> uh, it's meant to look and feel like going to see UCB shows in Liverpool. Like that's trying to capture UCB and Free Association. Okay. So that's where I'll go to the place I trained in London with Free Association. And they're both quite similar in their approach. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, I want to try and capture that feeling there. So yeah, if you go to the Atom Improv on Instagram, you can, you can get in touch there. When all is said and done uh on uh instagram and uh if you want to see shows regular job obviously performing on a, on a, on a regular basis which works good for me <laughs> doing the one on the 29th i'm also part of long distance relationship which is a team of improvisers who all met in la one of our obviously i'm from liverpool holly's from australia Carell's la hannah's chicago chris is australia um viva is la Becky is Florida and Laura's Edinburgh. And we, the time zone we could only meet in was like half nine at night on a Saturday night, uh, or sometimes half 10, okay. depending on the time zone difference. Um, and we trained all through the pandemic and they came to surprise me. Weirdly enough, they came to surprise me in the UK. Hannah and Carell showed up. Wow. Out of nowhere. I had no idea they were coming. Carell, uh, I planned it with Becky and I showed up at a pub and Carell was like, Hey bro. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> and then Hannah showed up and he's making a documentary at the moment about our team. He, he said, there's a really interesting story to be told. So he's traveled across the world to see us all. Awesome. And he wants to get us all back together in LA, but we perform every now and again, we were performing every week when we did the, during the pandemic, but um, every now and again, we perform um, on zoom, not, not on zoom. Yeah. On Twitch, on Twitch, we have a Twitch, Twitch. channel. Search. LDR or long distance relationship on on Instagram, you'll you'll find us. But yeah, well, there we go. Well, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you. Thank you very much. You too. It's really, really, really been nice. Well, thank you so much to Al. I really, really loved that chat, as I often do when I do this show. And one of the cool things again is I didn't really know Al going into this I'd met him at one of the Boss Birds and Friends gigs uh, back in January and we, then we connected uh, we've seen each other online a bit 
but we didn't really know each other and after that chat I feel we've got a great connection and that's one of the things I love about the show and I hope that me creating that connection helps you to create that connection so do go find Al uh, check him out online check him out see what he's up to and definitely go get your tickets to the Boss Birds and Friends gig on April 29th fly in the loaf 7 o'clock start it's a great night of entertainment they always are and you've just got lots to look forward to uh, there's also Cats in Trenchcoats, which are an LCI uh, long-form team that are going to be performing that night as well. So definitely uh, get yourself along and enjoy the improv fun. Now, there's some things I didn't say at the start of this um, that I'll just talk about now briefly. Um, something happened in this interview that's never happened to me uh, in a podcast interview before. And we actually lost the connection. So I've had dodgy connection issues before and there were some in this and I didn't mention it at the beginning just because I forgot and I've already done the intro bit so I'll just explain it in the outro bit. Uh, Yeah there was some uh, dodgy internet gremlins going on so there's a few bits earlier in the interview uh, where we lost a word or two that I was saying. Uh, It didn't really detract from the interview, it was still a great interview to listen to but then there was a point where he just completely froze on my screen I froze on his screen uh, so we had to basically sort of stop the interview and pick it back up uh, but thanks to the the, the magic of editing uh, hopefully that didn't come across in any way in the interview uh, but it's certainly one to add to my list of firsts and it was it was all going so well and then it all went so wrong but in, in many ways it was kind of a good thing because it, it meant that Al would would then plug in instead of relying on the Wi-Fi and we had a much stronger connection for the rest of the chat and it's all down to bandwidth people and if you're trying to do a podcast interview while your family are trying to watch Bridgerton on Netflix then uh, these are the sorts of issues you're going to have Uh, so yeah Al wasn't that a great chat I love it I learn things from these conversations with people and that was quite eye-opening in terms of how the American system works. I I knew a fair amount about how things worked over there, but it's great to get an even greater insight and learn just a bit more insight about UCB and and how that works. Um, I guess there's, there's lots of different ways of doing the same thing and there isn't, it isn't that this person's way is better than the other person's way I guess there needs to be enough out there because people are all different and people respond to different things people respond to different teachers people respond to different techniques so it's important to sort of see what's out there and find what fits you and I'll mentioned in the interview about always needing to continue learning you've never stopped learning something and I have personally always said the day that you can't get better at something is the day that you should stop doing that thing. Uh, many a child has said to me, Sir, how long did it take you to play guitar? To which I say, I'm still learning. And I, I've probably gone backwards actually in my guitaring because, you know, when I was a musician and I was with my band and gigging regularly and having band practices regularly, I was constantly playing. But now I don't, I don't really play that much. Um, but I make sure that when I do play that I play to the best of my ability but still as a guitarist there's still so much I can learn as a singer there's so much I can learn and definitely as an improviser there's so much I can learn and that's the that's the, the great thing about finding something that you love you reach a level where you think yeah I'm, I'm relatively competent but that doesn't mean you can't get better doesn't mean you can't constantly challenge yourself to try new things you know I was really comfortable living in my little short form bubble and then hey I'll give long form a go and yeah it's it's expanded my horizons so I guess what I'm saying is there's always ways to improve you don't need to ever feel that you're getting stagnant in any way just find new avenues to go down and find new techniques find new people new circles or try something completely new altogether but there's always things that you can be doing to to better yourself and then those things there's ways to improve those things so uh, it is 
great to improve the improv and take a look around see what courses are out there what I love about improv is you often see like really well respected teachers taking courses with other people uh, so no one's ever really resting on their laurels and they're they're always learning or they're reading up on it um, so yeah just get out there see what's available and that links me actually to Liverpool Comedy Improv because you may well be listening to this and thinking, ah, oh, I've never given LCI a go. Well then, why don't you? Check it out. Check out liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. Find them on Facebook. Find them on Instagram. Live Comedy Improv. There's all sorts going on. Lots of great opportunities coming up. There's the regular drop-ins. There's all sorts of classes as well. So check it out. Um, in future there's going to be more guest teachers and things coming along and just coming along to the shows the boss birds and friends shows are really good because you get to see improv sort of done well and sometimes that is as good as taking a class just watching other people doing what they love and doing it really well to a high standard that's as good as taking a class so uh, yeah uk. And if you're a member of the LCI community and you'd like to be a guest on the show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we will make the arrangements as soon as possible. Don't forget, if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please give us a five-star review, subscribe to the show, uh, spread the word, anything like that just helps to give us a boost and get our name out there. If you want to check me out on social media in any way, shape or form, then you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. Just search for at Ian Luke Jones. As always, I'm going to push you in the direction of my YouTube channel. I currently put out a, a little video every Wednesday called Humorous Moment. It's just a silly little joke, a little one-liner or a pun. And hopefully it'll put a smile on your face and get your hump day started off right. And that pretty much is it for today. It brings me to the end. It's been great for me to do this. The last couple of weeks, there hasn't been an episode and... The, the episodes I did before that I sort of recorded sort of all together so it feels like I personally haven't sat here and, and done this uh, for a good month and a bit and it's great to come back today and connect with another improviser and talk about something that I love and that you the listener loves and yeah it's a great position to be in to, to know that the show is here and it, it keeps us connected and it helps us to learn it helps us to grow so thank you very much for listening I, I really uh, love that I'm in a position to bring this show to you and I do genuinely appreciate the fact that you're listening even those of you that are listening right now towards the end <laughs> you know the interview ended and I do this little ramble I have to wonder who sits and listens right until the end because I'm the sort of person when I listen to a podcast I will listen to it right until the end until the episode finishes uh, but then I know there are other people when they listen to podcasts, they just want to hear the interview. They don't want the intro, they don't want the outro, they just want the juicy bit in the middle. Uh, but if you're one of those people hanging on right until the end, then uh, I particularly appreciate you. Now, before I go, here are some words that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv and yes and. <laughs>